Let's open our Bibles. Uh, first, uh, John chapter 18. John chapter 18. And uh, let's start there, and then we're going to back up to Matthew. <clears throat> but John chapter 18, we just looked at chapter 17 uh, before we talked about the cross and the resurrection. Uh, but John chapter 17, Jesus was praying, and, and it was all about his incredible prayer and and. What did he pray about? He prayed about eternal life through knowing the Father and, and knowing the Son, that that's like the heart of, of what he prayed for, really, that, that you and I would have eternal life and that we would, know, we would know the Father, we would know God, we would know the Son. He prayed, he prayed for our protection, he prayed for our unity, for, for our being set apart. And he prayed about us being sent into the world like you and I are, are all missionaries. We're, we really are. And, and I think as the days get darker, I think you and I need to remember the word of God and, and, and be those lights that he has made us to be in this world. You know, I, I'm beginning, I, there are you know, certain people that I pray for and I'm beginning to pray like this. There's not much time. The time is getting short. And, and I think that you and I need to understand that. We don't know how much time we have. I mean, just in our own church, we've seen how things can change so quickly. And so for us to be ready. Look at John chapter 18, verse 1. It says, When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. And on the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and, he and his disciples, they went into it. Now, I think some translations say when he, had, when he had said these things and speaking about his prayer, uh, I don't think it meant that he finished praying uh, forever because we're going to see as we look at uh, what happened in this verse and, and we're in the account in Matthew is that, that he didn't finish praying. He actually went to more prayer. Now, he went to this place that says it was a garden, and, and I know this is hard to see, we're going, to get, we're going to get some new projectors or new monitors or something, and, and we're going to make this really, really nice. But let's see if I can get this to work. So the upper room where most of the prayer was is here, and this is the Temple Mount, right? And then the Garden of Gethsemane is right over here. The Mount of Olives is right over here. So it's directly across, and this is the Kidron Valley, just so you have some kind of perception. And, and, and this, this whole area here is what they call the old city of Jerusalem. You can see it. It's all very compacted together. And, and uh, this, this map here gives you a little better. Again, uh, I find that hard to read myself. But um, the upper room is here in the old city down here. And then uh, the Garden of Gethsemane is here, which is on the Mount of Olives. And this is the Temple Mount area here. And this is where the Temple how the temple faced and was there on the Temple Mount. So they left at some point the upper room and they crossed this Kidron Valley. And it's not, very, it's not a very deep valley. We've walked across it. You can walk from the old city and, and then walk on up to the, uh, the Mount of Olives. They crossed over into this place. He said there was an olive grove there. It was really a garden. And Luke tells us they, they went there often. They would often go to this place where this garden was. Garden of Gethsemane is what it's known uh, 
for, or what it's known as, I should say. And like I said, Jesus, he had prayed in John chapter 17, but now in the beginning of John chapter 18, this is really one of the most intense times of prayer, I think, ever recorded. So I'm, we're going we're gonna to jump back to Matthew chapter 26. And if you'll turn with me back to Matthew chapter 26, we're going to look at, at this account because it is so intense and I think it is so important what happened there. There's so much for us to learn there. I didn't want to just pass over it. So we're going to cover it there. We've, we've seen, we looked at the Lord's Prayer, what really is the disciples' prayer. We looked at uh, John 17, the Lord's Prayer, and how he prayed. And now we're, we're looking here in the Garden of Gethsemane Prayer. And, and again, the intensity of this is, is just off the uh, scales. Matthew chapter 26, and, and I was thinking about this. We're going to look at verses 36 to 46. So we have 26, 36, 46. Matthew 26, 36 to 46. There's this place, and it, it, it kind of looks like this with, with these olive trees. And if you've ever seen an olive tree, we don't really have many of them around here in New England. I don't think they, they grow around here. But, but they look like this, and they can get very old. And, and uh, you know, they, they... So this was kind of the way it looked there in this garden uh, of Gethsemane. The, the name Gethsemane means oil press. So it was a place where, you know, olives grew, but they also would press these olives to squeeze all that olive oil out of the olives. And, and really, you know, this is, I think, why it's such a uh, time for Jesus. It says in Isaiah chapter 53 that he was crushed for our iniquities. So this is part of the whole process. Again, this is now leading up. We'll see next week he's arrested he puts, gets put on trial, and then, and then we go into what we've already looked at about, of the cross and the resurrection. Uh, <clears throat> he said to them, look at verse 36, Matthew chapter 26. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Sit here while I go over there and pray. Verse 37, he took Peter... And the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Anybody know who the two sons of Zebedee are? James and John. John. Now Jesus would often have a time like on the Mount of Transfiguration where he, he, it was him and these three, Peter, James, and John. And, and, you know, yet he had all these other disciples. There's 11 with him here at this point. Judas is off doing his thing right now. He's got these 11 disciples. They go there and he tells them to sit here. The eight of them are sitting there and he takes these three along with him and, 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 and goes a little bit further. There's something about this prayer. Now, it, it kind of goes in stages. First, we have uh, the prayer in John 17 and they're all there. And th- then we have, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and, and the, we have the eight here and then he took... He takes the the three a little bit further, and then we're going to see that he goes even further, but he goes by himself. There's there's this idea of of, uh, being together, 
And, and he brought these three, and, and so he wasn't really alone, but he was going to go further, and, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. There's a sense where we need one another, but there's also a time when we go and we are completely alone with God. Completely alone with God. So there, there's kind of, there's times for all of them. This Saturday, we're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to, we have a lot of things to pray for. I really encourage you to come uh, for Barbara's sake but also for the sake of the people that we need to pray for in our fellowship. If you can come, uh, please do. Uh, this is a, a special, very special uh, time. So it says that, that he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Sorrowful and troubled. Uh, do any of you know what that's like? In this world? Do any of you know what that's like? Well, Jesus knows what it's, what it's like as well, you see. And... And uh, Matthew Henry, who was a, 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 a teacher and a pastor and a commentator in the 16, late 1600s, early 1700s, he, he had a lot of insight about this. And, and I read a quote about him that he would, he would like to teach the scriptures and make it plain, plain for everybody to understand. And that's kind of what he did. And I have a lot... A lot of his quotes in this message because it was just like so powerful. The, the first thing he said was this, that it was not bodily pain at this point in time, but it was from within. He, he wasn't facing yet. He would, obviously, the bodily injuries and the, the, the things that would happen to him, the flogging and the crucifixion and all the rest of it. But there was something within him, this sorrowful, this, this sadness, this grieving that was taking place within him. Uh, the, the great distress and this anguish. He was, he was depressed, if you want to use that modern term. He was full of heaviness. The New King James says he was deeply distressed. Uh, Matthew Henry says this, he had a weight of lead upon his spirit. And that is what we're talking about here. He had this heaviness that just weighing him down. And, and so what did he do? What does this say here that he did? He prayed. He prayed. He didn't go, uh, you know, rushing to the doctor. He didn't go rushing to, you know, uh, you know substance abuse of, you know, the, that the world is going for today. He went and he prayed to his father. You see, this is what you and I need to understand. What did Jesus do? He prayed. Verse 38 He's speaking to his disciples. He said to them, to Peter, James, and John, he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. You know, <clears throat> he had someone to share this with. I think that this is so important. This is, and I've been kind of alluding to this already, is that, that yes, we need to pray, and it's between us and God, but we also need someone to share these burdens in our lives with. And it's not, <clears throat> I hate to say this, but it's not Facebook. Actually, I don't hate to say it. I'm happy to say it. It's not Facebook. You and I, we need some people that are close to us. It's not a, a thousand people where you tell them all your story, all your problems. No, I'm talking about he had three people here that he, that he, he unburdened himself to. You and I, we need to have one or two or three friends that we can share our lives with. 
This is very important. I, I, don't, you know, I don't get up here and tell you everything that I'm going through, and sometimes I'll tell you some things, but I have two or three people that, that support me, that, that I can call, that I can talk to, that I can tell. Listen, this, this is more than I, can, than I can bear here. That's so important. So, so you and I, we need to be open to that. We need to be a friend, of course, but we also need to, to have friends and, and develop those relationships. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Any of you know what that word soul is in the Greek? Psyche. He said, my psyche is overwhelmed with sorrow. The psyche, you see, it it stood for the seed of the feelings, the desires, the affections, the very heart of, of a person, the soul of a person, you see. I, he says, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow. He was exceedingly sorrowful. Matthew Henry, again, he said he was compassed about with sorrow on all hands. To the point of death, it, it was, he said it, it was a killing sorrow. Have any of you ever experienced that kind of thing that we're talking about here? This is what Jesus is going through. And what does he do? He prays. You know, Jesus, it says in Isaiah 53 that he was a man of sorrows. We don't really have any account of, of Jesus laughing, though perhaps he did. But, but it's, not, it's, not, it's not written. But we know that he was a man of sorrows. And it says that, that he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. You see... Part of what he was facing here is he's taking upon himself. You and I are not only our sin, but, but our sorrows as well. So for you and I to have someone to go to like Jesus and say, well, Jesus, you don't understand. You never, you've never experienced it. You've never been through it. We can't say that. Because he can say, yes, I do. I do understand. He said to those three, he said, stay here and keep watch with me and and." Again, Matthew Henry, again, I, I just, <clears throat> I read a lot of different commentaries, but for some reason this, this week, this, this guy just nailed it on the head every time. He said, he said, it's good to have and good to seek the assistance of our brethren when at any time we are in agony. He says, stay here and keep awake, the King James Version of Study Bible says. Stay here and keep awake. Stay here and watch with me. Verse 39, it says he, he went a little farther. So, so he's got the eight of them here, and then, and then he brought the three of them here, and then it says he went a little farther. Now he's by himself, completely by himself. And what does it say? It says he fell on his face to the ground. He fell on his face to the ground. And he prayed. I mean, this is, a, this is a picture, but you know what? This is something that you and I need to know about. Jesus fell on his face. This is the face that would be beaten brutally. But he fell on his face before the Father. He fell on his face to the ground. Luke chapter 22 tells us that he was in an agony. And he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat 
was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. He was, this was such an intense time that, you know, that there was actually blood coming out. And there is a medical condition called hematidrosis. That's probably pronounced wrong, but close enough. But it's this, mingling of blood and sweat in cases of extreme anguish, strain, or sensitivity. This is when it's so intense that the blood vessels are actually, you know, with the sweat, there's blood actually coming out. Again, this is Jesus praying. And sometimes, you know, I don't know about you, but there are times when we get to this particular place where I think it I think it is right for you and I to find a place by ourselves. We, we have people that we've shared our heart, hearts and lives with, but there's a time when we are by ourselves and we are on our faces before the Almighty God. I think that's most appropriate, appropriate when we're by ourselves. I've said that to you to before. Well, I don't have a place I, where I can go and do that. Find a place. Go lock yourself in a room somewhere. <clears throat> It says he prayed, and this is what he prayed. He said, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He starts off in this prayer, he says, my father, and, and isn't, that, isn't that wonderful? You could stop right there, right? This, he's in this incredibly intense time, and what does he do? He, he says, my father, my father. Matthew Henry said, thick as the cloud was, he could see God as a father through it. Where should the child go when anything grieves him but to his father? He went to his father and he says, he says, Father, if it's possible, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Now this cup he's speaking about, is a, it's symbolic, of course, this cup of sorrow, this cup of suffering. And but but for Jesus now, you know, you and I, we, we have these cups that we're 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 we have in this life, these cups of sorrow, these cups of suffering. And 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 we go and we pray and we bring them before the Lord now. But for Jesus, it's 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 something even more than that, because in the Old Testament, it, it was a picture of the wrath and the and the judgment of God, the cup of wrath, you see. And so Jesus, when he says this cup, he's talking about the wrath of God coming upon himself for the sins of of all the world. Now, you and I are not going to take upon ourselves the sins of all the world. So Jesus, in this particular uh, prayer of his, this is what he's speaking about. He knows what's coming. It wasn't just just that he was going to die. It was this idea that he was going to take the cup of, of wrath and the judgment of God where the Father's face would be turned away from him for that particular time, that moment. When he said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We say, Jesus, you don't understand what it means to suffer. Oh, he does. Way, way more than what you and I ever, ever, ever would suffer. But he has this prayer and, and you know, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And, and so he's, he's there, he's praying. And, and what is his prayer? If it's possible, if, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not what I want, but as you want. Now, he wasn't, you know, like he wanted more 
these things physically, as, you know, in, in his human nature. He, like he wanted to take all that. I mean, nobody would want to do that in, in, in you know, all that it meant. So he prays and he says, is there any other way? If it's possible, is there any other way for this to take place other than the cross? And what was the answer that he got? Heaven was silent. So because of that, the answer was no, there is no other way. There was no other way. It was true then in the Garden of Gethsemane. It is true today. There, there, there was no other way for us to be saved, to be rescued. For the wrath of God, the judgment against sin to be paid. There was no other way except through the cross of Jesus Christ. We can't be saved by our good works. We can't be saved by being good people. We can't be saved by being religious. We can't be saved by any other thing except what Jesus Christ did on that cross. But one of the things that comes out of this is so, is so powerful, I think, that f- for us is that what did, what did Jesus do? He surrendered to the will of the Father. You see, it, it, you know, it was completely intense and difficult, but, but he surrenders. He says, my Father, if it's possible... Make this, make this go away. May this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. You see, there was this surrendering to the will of God. And for you and I, if there's anything that takes place when we are on our faces before God, it should be this, that we surrender to the, to the will of God. We surrender God whatever you want, not what I want, but what you want. Isn't that what Jesus taught in his prayer that we pray? May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said in John 6, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And so you and I, if we learn anything from this prayer, is that it's a time where we surrender, where I don't know it all. I don't understand it all. I can't figure it all out. And if, you know what? The truth of the matter is, 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 is if everything went according to what I wanted, it would be a mess. This world would be a mess. But he knows, and his will is always right, even when it's difficult. Talk about difficult. What Jesus had to go through was the will of the Father, and and there was no other possible way. Verse uh, 40, Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Could you not watch, keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body or the flesh is weak. He tells them to watch and pray. And it's kind of an imperative uh, tense there that he uses. It's keep an eye out, stay awake and watch and see what's going on around you. This is what he's telling his disciples. He goes back and he wakes them up. Wake up, keep watch and pray. Now, it wasn't keep watch and you make it all right. No, keep watch and then pray to the Father because that's where the strength is going to come from. That's where the help is going to be. 
But he, but he says something, and, and I think we know this only too well. He says, the spirit is willing, but this flesh is weak. In other words, there's a spiritual side of us, right, that, that we're born again. Our spirit is brought alive. We, we've made, been made alive by the spirit of God. But we still live in this body of flesh. And we need to watch and we need to pray. We want to do the right things. My, my spirit wants to do the right thing. Paul said this in Romans 7. He says, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. This flesh isn't redeemed yet. We're going to get new bodies where the flesh will be redeemed. But right now it's not. It's breaking down. It's rebellious. It's, it's sinful. It has, you know, wants to do a lot of things that, that spiritually we know are not right. Paul said, to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. I can't, you know, it's this battle. He said it in Galatians 5, the the flesh wars against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There's a battle taking place. So what does Jesus say? He says to watch and pray, you see, because one of them is going to win. The spirit or the flesh. And in every battle we face, one of them is going to kind of get the edge. So I'm wondering which one wins. Is it a function of watching and praying? I think so. That's what Jesus said. Watch and pray this so you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so you and I, we need to be awake. We need to be aware. We need to be in the Word of God so we know what's going on. We, need, we can see what's going on around us in the world today. And pray. Watch, he says, and pray. Verse 42, he went away a second time and he prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Kind of a slight change there. I don't know if you noticed that. The first time he says, if it is possible, may this cup be taken. The second time he says, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. So we even see there, you see, it's this, again, this progression. I think as you and I pray, so often the situation, the answer is, is still no, but something begins to change. And what is, what is it that changes as we pray? Us, we change. It's kind of a little, little interesting point you see there. Verse 43, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more. And he prayed the third time saying the same thing. He went, he went away again. The third time, it, it's like he didn't really wake them up this time. He says they were tired, rest on kind of thing. Verse 45, then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping? And some versions say sleep on. Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, get up, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Notice, he, he prayed 
more than one time. You know, you've heard people say, you know, it's a lack of faith to pray more than one time. Well, that's just nonsense. People come up with all kinds of nonsense. Unless you can know what the scripture says, you could be taken in by a lot of nonsense. Jesus prayed three times. He talks, he talks about the, you know, the, uh, the unjust judge and the, the woman that went back and prayed over and over and over again. Finally, the judge said, stop bothering me. Okay. Paul the apostle prayed. He had a thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times. What did God say to him? My grace is sufficient. In other words, he said, no, but I'll give you my grace, and my grace is enough. My grace is enough for you. And, and, and you know, for, for whatever reason, God's will wasn't that Paul would be relieved, uh, relieved from this thorn in the flesh, but he was given the strength by the grace. An interesting thing, in the, in the Gospel of Luke, it says that in this account of the Garden of Gethsemane account, It says that an angel from heaven appeared to him, to Jesus, and strengthened him. God said no, but God sent his strength for him to get through what he had to get through. And and that's what what God was saying to, to Paul as well in this time where, you know, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness. This is, a, this is such an intense prayer, and, 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 but yet when we look back and we, we say, you know, what happened there? What happened there in that garden? That, that garden of Gethsemane, that, that, that the beginning of the, the, you know, Jesus being crushed for our iniquities, the, Jesus taking up our sorrows, paying the price for you and I. This is where where it all began. And and David Guzik said the struggle at the cross was first won in prayer in Gethsemane. And I think there's truth to that. And I think that's a point for you and I to take as well. We may be facing all different kinds of things. Not, Not what Jesus faced, as I said earlier. But plenty of sorrows, plenty of troubles, plenty of things. And and we've seen enough just in the first three and a half months of this year to, to, to get us through the whole rest of the year. But there's something about when we go and pray. We go and pray. And we find that place alone with God. We, yes, we have people that we can share with. But, but, but we go and we pray. And does it not prepare us for what is yet to come? Does it not uh, work in us to uh, give us the strength we need, the grace we need, the answers we need to to get through what it is that we're going to be facing? I think it does. I really do. So Jesus, he would take the cup and he would do that for you and for me. Let's pray together now, shall we? I've said enough. Our Father, as Jesus prayed, my Father, 
such a real, such a personal relationship. Uh, I pray, Father, that, that my relationship with you would grow and that through all the trials, the troubles, the sorrows, the, the killing sorrows that we face, that I face, that each one of us faces, we bring them to you, Lord, and we talk with you about them, Lord. I don't, I don't know how much more we can take this year, but Lord, I, I know that we, as we pray, you will meet us, you will give us the grace and the strength to, to, to just go on, to keep, to keep on keeping on. And as you gave Jesus, your son, the strength to, to face the cross, you'll, you'll give us the strength and the grace that we need to face what you allow, what, what comes into our lives. Father, we thank you for the example of Jesus. May we learn from it. I pray too, Lord, for any who don't have this relationship with with Jesus. I, I always want to give an opportunity for anyone who's listening to open your heart, open your life, and allow Jesus to come in. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to come into your life and be your Lord and be your Savior, and He will help you. He will come in, and He will rescue and save you. Simply pray and say, Jesus, I, I'm lost. I'm, I'm a, I am a sinner, and I... I pray for your forgiveness. I pray for your help. Please come in. Please rescue and save me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together again, shall we?